Well, you'd be forgiven for thinking the catastrophic floods along the New New South Wales Northern Rivers region, which devastated towns like Lismore and Ballina, happened just a few days or, or weeks ago. Such was 2022 that the news cycle was rarely without a flood story from some corner of Australia. But here we are today, one year on since those floods and thousands of residents are still without accommodation. Jenna Breeze is a local Lismore musician. She's currently living in a government caravan at the back of her Lismore property with her husband and five-year-old daughter. Jenna, welcome to you. Oh, hi. As your community marks this anniversary, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Um, Yeah, we're just coping as best we can. Um, It's definitely a challenging... um, day this week this whole week this um the constant reminders and and of it all and and hearing people share uh share their stories and also their photos um is is quite hard because it just brings it all back again and um i think it's important that we share our stories but it just breaks your heart into a million pieces all over again and again and again Yeah, and I'm sensitive to that, and I'm also sensitive to the fact that one year on, there doesn't seem to be the sorts of services or the sorts of uh, mechanisms to get the community back on track. I mean, I understand that you and your husband uh, are still battling with certain kinds of paperwork. What's that about? Yeah, so we've been trying to finalise our application for the Disaster Recovery Grant, which is what we refer to as the big grant. You know, you've got the 20,000 back to home grant and then you've got this other bigger grant, which was is basically upwards of $50,000 or more, depending on your individual circumstances. And that's where the government, if you are eligible and you are successful um, in applying for it and you get the grant, the government pays, pays um, for your house to be renovated back to a livable standard. So, um, you know, we're not talking about fancy kitchens or fancy bathrooms. It's just a very basic, practical kitchen, you know, bare bones functionality is what they're sort of going for. And, um, yeah, so we're trying to apply for that grant. Um, but in, my husband is self-employed. So in order to get the grant, we need a profit and loss statement and also the tax done. And um, we lost all of, you know, receipts and whatnot during the flood and it's just been complication after complication, just getting this profit and loss statement, which we've now been waiting on for eight months um, for this one document basically to, to be finalized and signed off on and, you know, all the the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Um, So they have been extending that application month after month after month. um, And we've been back and forth with the accountant, you know, what's going on, why is this taking so long? And it's just been, oh, we need this bit of information. Oh, we don't have that. Okay, we've got to try and get our head around that. Yeah, so. So, so, so how, how do you get your head around, you know, this pretty much story of survival? I know that you evacuated, your husband chose to stay. Uh, and then for this incredible story to end up in, uh, you know, basically bureaucracy and requests from paperwork. <laughs> let, let me go back to that day because I know that he, your husband, climbed on the roof, didn't he, to to, to, to sort of survive? Yes, that's right. He had a tinny 
tied to the front of the house because um, the engine on the boat didn't work, ironically, <laughs> just when you need one to work. Um, so, the, yeah, the tinny was just a boat floating and it tied to, to the front of the house to the stairs and when the water got, you know, waist high. So to give you some perspective, our house is two-storey high. So we're talking about when the water was up to waist high in the second level of the house. Wow. That's when he got in. That's when he got into the tinny, and floated up, and it just kept going up and up basically until he was close enough to the roof, and then climbed onto the roof because um, there were um, the rope. Unfortunately, was too short. Um, you know, no one could have ever seen it was going to get that high. So he didn't sort of tie a very long rope from the boat to the house. So unfortunately, as the water was getting higher and higher, the the, t- the front of the boat where the rope was tied onto was pulling the boat down into the water and the end of it was rising up. It, so it was going to sink soon, basically. So he had no choice but to get on the roof Wow! and it, await rescue. It sounds like he was very, very lucky. Uh, you're in a caravan now at the back of your property. Yeah. Understand your parents yeah. have a tent set up within the shell of their house. That's where they're mm-hmm. living. How long yep. did you expect to be living like this? And, and how, how have you been told about that expectation? Well, um, I guess I didn't really when – when we first put our hands up to accept the government um, van at home program, I sort of in my head thought, oh, you know, we probably will only need a van for maybe eight or nine months. You know, by then we should have an answer and – and things moving forward and we should hear back from the government, you know, with what we're eligible for, whether it's a buyback or a house raising, um, or, you know, we'll have the profit and loss statement by then. And, you know, um, the work can start beginning on the house at least and, you know, some kind of progress, but here we are end of February and nothing has happened whatsoever. And, um, the, the, the NRRC, um, has, you know, they've been assuring everyone up until now, oh, everyone will know by the end of February what they're eligible for. And so all of us who are affected have been waiting and thinking, oh, okay, all right, we'll just hang in there till the end of February because they're getting they'll get around to everyone by then. Um, and then here we are today, and um, they've only got through a handful of applications so far, and only made a, a handful of of actual buyback offers so far, and. I'm hearing reports of like people I, like I know neighbors and such are hearing from other neighbors that have been offered different things and on different streets and, you know, up one end of my street, they've been offered a buyback, but their neighbors weren't. And then yet I hear a couple streets over, they've been offered a buyback, but then, you know, so I thought they were going street by street, but you know, it's just, it's, it feels like um, you keep waiting for a light at the end of the tunnel, but it just feels like it's never going to come. And people are just desperately trying to cope. And there is a huge mental health crisis here in our town um, amongst the homeowners in particular because we can't afford to rent a house on the hill, you know, or rent a, a suitable house somewhere else and then pay the mortgage. Um, we have to just kind of wait it out until we hear what we're eligible for. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Jenna Breeze. She's a Lismore musician. She's talking about her community's recovery and what still needs to be done one year on since the devastating Northern Rivers floods here on RN Drive. You know, Jenna, kids can be very resilient in times like this. I understand your five-year-old daughter says things to you like, oh, mummy, I'll look after you. 
there's obviously been some hard times for your family. How do you explain it to her? Oh, I never really know. As as a mum, I definitely feel the need to to sort of shield her from as much hardship as possible. And I'm I'm someone who craves stability and and, and a home. You know, I'm I'm not someone that wants to be living in a van or a tent. You know, I've worked hard all my life to have a roof over our head, basically, and um, to now find ourselves in a van and just this never-ending wait, <laughs> waiting on the government. Um, it's hard to explain that to a child and I don't fully even grasp it all myself, you know? So I just, the other day she asked me, um, mommy, what's taking the builders so long? And I, I said, oh, I didn't really know what to say other than, oh, they're just very busy. They've got to build other people's houses and they'll just get to ours when they can. And she kind of went, oh, okay. And went off to sleep, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. I understand, uh, speaking of resilience, you're also involved in a local charity set up by your friend called Disaster Recovery Sheds and Assistance. How does this work? I mean, what are you doing on the ground to help your community? We're just basically just a group of of people who um, just have decided rather than sit around and, and wait or just do nothing, we'll just help as many people as we can. So, Underneath my my flood house, I actually call it my little crack house on the prairie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> underneath our house, um, it's it's at times looks like a furniture shop. You know, we've got fridges, um, wardrobes, and things stored there from people who have donated them. Um, you know, so like I'll I'll say I'll get a word from a friend of a friend or a neighbor or something. Oh, so and so, they're moving house. Um, they want to donate the furniture. Are you interested? Oh, sure. I and mean, we just get the, the little truck and or the trailer and go pick up as much as we can. And we might not have an immediate need, um, as in like we might not have someone that needs that particular piece of furniture right at that moment. We still grab it anyway. Um, but a good, like a, a success story, for instance, um, we just recently helped a lady. She applied for 53 rental applications couldn't get one, but on the 54th application, she was finally able to get a unit. And we're talking about a, a single woman who works full-time, you know, as straight as they come, could not find suitable accommodation, but she finally found a place after 54 attempts at applying for places. And she's like, oh, I've just they've just given me the keys and now I've got no furniture. And we're like, don't worry, you know. So we just turned up with a truck full of furniture and appliances and dropped it off to her and um, she was, yeah, happy days. It means it's all donated goods that are still in good condition, you know, um, which means she can save even more money towards her own recovery, whatever that looks like. So we just, yeah, very, we do it all out of our own pocket. Um, We're very excited. We've, we've got a a semi-trailer full of carpet tiles going to be uh, delivered soon. And Anglicare has um, graciously offered to, uh, put towards that, which has been amazing. Um, the cost of the fuel for the truck to come down. So, um, yeah, we're just helping out as many people as we can. Um, there was also a young couple that had a six month old baby living in a garage, uh, because while they didn't lose all their possessions in the flood, the, such was the rain that it damaged the, the house, um, that they were living in there were tenants. They couldn't live in it anymore. And so they had to find somewhere else, but because, they didn't lose everything in the flood. It means basically they they didn't qualify for a pod. So they were, had no choice but to live in someone's garage. 
Well, Jenna, it is extraordinary your sense of selflessness considering the fact that you yourself don't have a home, your parents don't have a home. I do hope that the, con- the community can continue to stay together. Uh, and, and thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. That's okay. You know, the two things that have helped me get through this is helping other people and also music. So playing with my band, you know, the Jenna Breeze band and doing gigs and helping people, that's that's what's helping to keep me from going off the deep end. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope it continues, Jenna. Thank you so much and all the best. No worries. Thanks for having me, Andy. Bye. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.